Welcome to BIPOC Rising, a space to challenge, learn, transform, and thrive as individuals in a collective BIPOC community. I'm your host, Christina Vivit, a life coach and speaker with a background as a certified professional coach, doctor of physical therapy, and a community health researcher. I help my clients boldly achieve their goals while redefining the hustle mindset. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Okay, hi everyone, it's Christina again with BIPOC Rising and we are so excited to have Miss Kay with us today. So, before we start, I'm gonna have Miss Kay introduce herself. Hi everyone, uh, my name is uh, Miss Kay, I'm also known as Khalif Starks and um, I'm so excited to be here, Christina. Thank Yay. you for having me. Yay! Such a pleasure. Yes, I'm so happy to have you. So. Um, we are talking about sexual health today. Sexual health is something that we should all be talking about in a very normal um, language and in a very comfortable language because this is something that we can all learn from. So today we have the opportunity to learn from Miss Kay. She is a sexual health educator. And before we dive in, just give us a little bit of a background as to how you yeah. got there, why you're so passionate about it. and Right. What types of things do you do to serve the community? Perfect. Well, um, how I started, is, it's kind of funny. I sort of fell into this particular field. I kind of fell into it. Um, so growing up, I'm originally from Fresno, California. Mm -hmm. um, spent a lot of time growing up there. Moved out here around 13, 14 years old to the Pasadena area, SoCal area. Um, dealt with a lot of things in my life, you know, experienced... Um, you know, a tough childhood, you know, because of who I am, you know, full disclosure, I am a trans woman, a black woman too, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, that, that came with a lot as well growing up. Mm -hmm. And um, those conversations were not had in my household, you know what I mean? And then just trying to navigate going to school and uh, seeing people like date in school and stuff like that and just seeing all these different things play out. Um, went to UCLA, went to college, um, and then, you know, after school, I had all of these odd jobs, right? So during that time period, I was always someone who was very pro, you know, get tested, you know, learn about prep, take prep, you know, things like that, right? So I was, I always knew that that was a passion of mine. Um, but I, I really got my start working with um, youth, starting with day one Pasadena, working with high school youth who were suffering from like gang violence and teen pregnancy and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after I finished school, I worked with homeless youth and um, at various shelters in the Los Angeles area. And then after that, I started working, um, I can't say the name of where I work, unfortunately. <laughs> I can't okay. say it on camera, y'all. But I work for um, a very prominent um, healthcare slash hospital that has a particular clinic um, in the Los Angeles area in which we do um, HIV prevention work. And I fell into it. I fell into it. Literally, um, someone literally contacted me and was like, hey, we have a position. What do you think? And I was like, I never thought that I could like work in this particular field before. But I do have a background in gender studies, also known as women's studies, and LGBTQ studies. I have a background in that from college. And um, that, that is the particular population um, that I serve, right along with um, BIPOC, people of color, QDPOC, and so forth, right? So um, that's how I got my start. And I got my start actually about two years ago now. So 
Wow. Yeah. I, I know that was a lot. So, <laughs> I am so honored to have you on the show. Thank you. I mean, I truly do believe that good things come to good people. And just oh. with you saying that it landed you know, on your lap, like it didn't land on your lap. You worked right. so hard to cultivate the person that you are, <laughs> who you. you stand for, and who you serve in such a genuine, authentic way. So thank you. you are just so amazing. I'm so honored to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Yes, we're so lucky to have her on the show today. <laughs> and, and one more thing I yes. want to touch on. The reason why I said I kind of fell into it is because a lot of people who have the degree th that I have, we often feel like, oh, what, what do people do with those type of degrees? Yeah. No one can get a job with a gender studies or women's studies degree. I'm someone who can show, tell you all that people can still find work with that particular degree, right? So with, with learning about, um, learning more about um, a community that I'm a part of, the LGBTQ plus um, community, right? Learning about that, having the luxury of reading those particular texts by Audre Lorde, Bell Hooks, Patricia Hill Collins, and so forth, right? And then having that life experience and just all the various things that, uh, you know, trans people face, gay people, lesbian, queer, across the entire spectrum, non-binary, and so forth face, right? Sexual health is so important. So I want to, my last point is that, you know, I never thought that I could utilize my degree, right? in a particular like workplace environment so that's 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 the part of why I'm like oh I kind of just wound up here right mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so yeah and that yeah. is so powerful because I feel like when we're in college and we're mm -hmm. you know picking a major and thinking like okay this major is going to lead to x job and sometimes it's not that linear right but like as we evolve in the field that we're studying and as we evolved after school it becomes so much more clear like this is what I was called to do, and like right. this is truly how I want to serve others and how mm -hmm. I want to serve myself. And um, you know, for anyone out there who's listening, who mm -hmm. is feeling like, okay, I'm either in school right now studying this, I don't know where to go from here, um, but I know I'm really passionate about this. Or anyone who's graduated, you are such a testament to. You don't have to have it all figured out right away, yeah. or like ever, <laughs> right? Like yeah. things become more clear as mm -hmm. we allow ourselves to really lean into our identity right. and really lean into like what it is that I care about and how can I share this with the world in a very meaningful way Definitely. to others and myself. So yeah. I am so proud of you. Oh, thank you, girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. So moving thank on, you. when we talk about sexual health, mm -hmm. Can you share three topics that mm -hmm. you think are very important that we should all know about, but we don't necessarily talk about? Uh, the first topic would be sex positivity, right? Um, mm. That I feel like now in the day and age that we live in, those conversations are finally being had, you know, especially the work, um, you know, that sex workers are doing, mm -hmm. um, the work that uh, queer men are doing, the work that yes. women are doing, queer women are doing across the entire spectrum. So sex positivity would be the first point that that I think um, will allow people to become comfortable. I think that sex is still such a taboo, right? It's it's just still this energy, even in even though we live in a very progressive city and stuff like that, right? It's a lot of people still um, are a little like hush hush about it, or or not even necessarily hush hush, but they just don't really feel comfortable to have those conversations, right? Um, and sex positivity looks like you know contributing and being a part of spaces that affirm who you are, affirm your life, mm -hmm. affirm the fact that uh, sex can be had in different ways, right? But uh, most importantly, the second point is to not have an environment of shame, right? Mm -hmm. But just try to facilitate conversations and work that. Um, 
that highlight and display how to reduce the risk and prevent the risk, right? If you are sexually active, right? Mm -hmm. um, so risk reduction, right? Yeah. Um, that though, That's the second point that I, that I definitely think is a very pivotal part of this particular work because everyone's adults. You know, people right. are going to have fun and live their life. Um, some people are, you know, you know, uh, they, they prefer more casual fun, you know, then you have other people who are like, I'm more of a relationship type person. Then you have other people who are like, hey, I identify as asexual or not, not I don't identify as an asexual, but I practice abstinence. You get me? So yeah. it's just so many things, right? For the sure. third point, um, I would say, of course, is to be aware of your autonomy. And by autonomy, mm. um, when it comes to sexual health, your body is yours, right? And I think that for so many people, especially if you come from a marginalized community or background, or if you fall along any type of minority that is not predominantly like white, cis, het, right? Yeah. Uh, male, right? <laughs> um, so many people don't really, aren't really aware that their body is theirs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and their pleasure is theirs, yeah. right? Um, and that's something that I had to learn, right? You know, I, it's, it's interesting because throughout the years, people within my community have, like, even kind of said things about me like, oh, she's so conservative and she's so this and she thinks she this, she thinks she that. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's never been that way, mm -hmm. right? But I've always been someone where I've known, okay, like... I have control over me, right? This doesn't mean that I'm not yeah. going to go through things with people who I date or who I'm active with, right? Yeah. But I have control over me. I have control over my health. And it's, and it's my responsibility to um, be aware of my health yeah. by getting tested, by having these conversations with girlfriends and, yeah. and people in the community asking questions. Like, hey, you know, what do I do if I feel like I had a, um, exposure to HIV last night and, you know, me and this person, this is a hypothetical, okay? Me and this person, you know, <laughs> you know had an encounter and we didn't use protection. Uh -huh. You know, it was one point where I didn't even know about PrEP and PEP. You know what I mean? Uh, PrEP and PEP are medications that prevent um, individuals from catching HIV. So PrEP is for pre-exposure, so before that sexual encounter. PEP is post-exposure, right? Mm -hmm. If you have that encounter post you only have uh, 72 hours, a.k.a. three days, to get that particular medication if you feel that you have been exposed to HIV, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, full disclaimer, transparency, that is a situation that I had, you know, before. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was terrified. I was like, you know, I don't trust this guy. Like, and it was someone who I knew, right? But I just, I was like, mm, I don't trust him. Like, let me take care of myself, yeah. girl, you know. And um, I only learned because I had those experiences and that, that led me to have those conversations, right? So it's, it's not, a, and, I, and once again, with those three points, I think that people, um, when we have these conversations, we have to be mindful that all of us have our own different um, perceptions of how this looks for each one of us, right? Yeah. And even me, I've had times where um, I had to like, realize the tone that I may have had or my reaction to information that was shared with me and how yeah. someone probably felt like, oh my God, don't judge me. And I'm like, wait, I'm not judging. I'm sorry. It's just shocking. You know, it's crazy because I, I never went through that before, you know, but it, it just shows you how sensitive we all are in regards right. to sexual health. But that's a good thing. You know, you, you want to look at it um, as a thing of empowerment for you and your body. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's, that's for women. That's all women, all men across the entire spectrum. One thing that I do with, with my um, particular patients who I work with, with, uh -huh. um, is I just always let them know your body is your autonomy.
Yeah. That's the fourth point. <laughs> that is so powerful, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so in terms of, you know, I see that you do work in HIV and STI testing. Yes. When it comes to HIV and STI testing, mm -hmm. Can you share share with us a little bit more about like okay when should we be thinking about this is this mm -hmm. like a routine thing um, why is this something that we need to be more aware of and right. like what do you do right. um, as a sexual health educator to right. advocate for these things Yeah so with my role um, so I was like hired for this particular um, organization strictly as a prep navigator right okay. so that's that's like the first stem of my role, but I'm also an HIV testler slash, I'm sorry, tester, not Tesla, sorry. See, I want to Tesla one day. <laughs> uh, I'm an HIV tester slash counselor, right? Okay. So with that being said, you know, there are times where I do test patients or, you know, individuals for HIV. Um, I work with the clinic, with staff, and, you know, um, it's fun, but it also has a stressful moment sometimes. You know, Absolutely. sometimes difficult conversations may arise, but, you know, um, all of us were fully trained on how to have those conversations and how to create a safe space. Mm -hmm. um, we work with youth ages 12 to 24. And yeah, but back to the question. Sorry, I got a little carried away. Uh, most people, um, the standard for getting tested would be every three months for HIV and all STD slash STIs. So okay. STD slash STIs, that, that includes gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, um, herpes, and so forth, right? So you want to get tested every three months. Now, with herpes, everyone, herpes is something that individuals don't usually get tested for unless they have symptoms, right? So a medical doctor or provider, which should be, a medical provider would be like a nurse practitioner or a doctor, um, <clears throat> would have to have some type of a wound or, you would have to have like a definite symptom to be tested for herpes, right? A lot of people don't know that. But a definite symptom would be like, a wound with like pus or like an mm -hmm. abscess, right? And basically um, a medical provider would have to swab that and do a swab mm -hmm. to collect the particular, mm -hmm. you know, bacteria from, from that particular virus, right? Mm -hmm. And send it, send it in and make sure that it is actually, you know, herpes simplex, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but the standard is every three months, you know, everywhere that you go, even if you, um, even if it's not a clinic setting, even if you go for your annual checkup or something, a doctor will most likely ask you, hey, when's the last time you received an HIV test or did you want to do that today? Did you want to do blood work today? Right. So we can, you know, check your um, HIV status, your syphilis status. We can have you do swabs, too, or I can send you here, send you there. Right. So mm -hmm. three months is the typical standard. Um, some, some places say six months as well. Okay. But the standard is three months. Okay. So, and that's for yeah. HIV and... And STDs. Okay. Slash okay. STI. So STDs are sexually transmitted diseases. STI is a sexually transmitted infection. Okay. Same thing. Okay. <laughs> but Can infection... You clarifying the language? Yeah. Yes. Infection is like more politically um, uh, correct, right? Because mm -hmm. oftentimes when we hear disease, everyone's like, oh my God. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it technically is an infection, right? And some of them are curable. Some of them are not, and you know? Some of them can be asymptomatic, while some can be yeah, symptomatic, right? Definitely, yeah. Some of them, um, specifically uh, gonorrhea, could be asymptomatic at times okay. in certain people. Um, syphilis is usually symptomatic. Uh, chlamydia can be either or. You okay. get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it just depends on on your chemistry and your body, right? And your yeah. your date of exposure your partner and so forth. It's, it's all those various factors. Got it. It's, it's not to really scare us. It's just to have us be aware, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and like we were saying earlier, so. this stuff should be so um, integrated in 
what we talk about with each other mm-hmm. and like being honest and transparent with ourselves because right. like you said it can be asymptomatic yeah it can be symptomatic but these are things that we should all be looking out for just mm-hmm. like you know looking out for ourselves in terms of like diet exercise eating healthy all of that right. can reduce our risk for things like diabetes definitely hypertension mm-hmm. but how can we also reduce our risk right. and look out for ourselves and our own sexual health um, definitely when we talk about physical health especially you know as a physical therapist and a public health researcher as myself mm-hmm. um you know when we think about physical health we think of a lot of the Avoidance of heart disease and avoidance mm. of the diabetes high or the uh, high blood pressure, mm-hmm. osteoarthritis, all those things. But mm-hmm. sexual health should also be included in there, too, because it is part of our health and our wellness. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's, you know, honestly, society is still, like, kind of so shy about it. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I think that, um, that 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 still exists, right? That that, that sure. shyness or that kind of hush-hush vibe about it. So sure. Yeah. 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 And, you know, in your opinion, how Mm -hmm. can we practice inclusion when it comes to Mm -hmm. sexual health and really foster that um, safe space, whether it's Mm -hmm. language, whether it's, um, you know, having a conversation? Like, how can we really be aware of inclusive language and just creating that safe space when it comes to sexual health? Mm. (sighs) Trainings. Trainings are so important. You know, there are so many trainings and, like, modules and things like that that exist of how to be sensitive to various communities, right? So um, the number one example would be if you're working with like predominantly women or, or LGBTQ people or trans people, right? Um, there, there are various trainings um, on language and sensitivity, right? Um, that are trauma informed as well, right? Because la- language is so powerful, um, especially in today's age, you know what I mean? La- language. Language can literally um, set the setting of the energy in the room, right? So Absolutely. if you are a clinic or a medical facility, it's important to, to take, take, the, um, take the initiative to be aware because the information is out there, right? Um, people are out there. You know, you can always find someone to come and do a training for your particular org or your particular company, right? You can find people to do that for you. They have Zoom. There's all types of resources, Zoom trainings and so forth. Um, but yeah, usually, like for example, when, when I started doing this particular work, um, we did have like a set of particular trainings that we had to do, right? So even though I'm in the community, I still have to do sensitivity trainings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, to, to all various different types of communities, right? So when you hit the pavement and you have that, that real world experience, you're ready, right? And this isn't, this isn't to say that you will not make a mistake because I have to, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's important um, when it comes to language, right? You know, knowing your patient's uh, pronouns, you know, knowing how to say, say certain things that, that still keep you protected as a professional, but creates, um, a space of openness from the particular patients who feel comfortable mm. asking you questions, right? Um, especially if it's like a young person. But even with older people, you'd be so surprised how even older people are like, they're so so afraid to have these conversations, you know what I mean? And it, it could be kind of daunting. And um, I, I could tell you this, I'm still kind of surprised at how many people still don't want to get tested because they're afraid. You know, mm. yet. So, like, fear is the f- one of the biggest uh, yeah. barriers to people actually getting fear. tested. Huh. Fear and medical mistrust. Mm-hmm. Medical mistrust, especially mm-hmm. if you are a person of color, right? Mm-hmm. Or you come f- or, or you're a woman and so forth, right? Medical mm-hmm. mistrust is such a real thing. Women of color go through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, black women and brown women go through that with that medical mistrust, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
mm -hmm. um, of being in these spaces and kind of being dismissed if you ask those questions or if you have symptoms, yeah. being dismissed and being sent home, right? Yeah. And that ties into reproductive health with women as yeah. well, right? That happens a lot. Right. Um, women who probably have like, like ovarian issues or ovarian cysts and so mm -hmm. forth or issues with women and so forth. Um, you know, women of color are often turned away from, from doctors and stuff are told like, oh, to get better, girl, go home, put a bandaid on it, you know, or, you know, just take this pill, it'll be fine, and then you look up, and, and you know, three months later, you're over here getting something removed, right? Yeah. That could have been prevented right. if, if your medical provider would have just listened to you right. and created that space, so... Yeah. Yeah. I hope I answered. <laughs> Absolutely. And like these are things that, yeah. you know, it's not as easy as telling someone to, you know, eat healthy and move their body. Like, there's so many things. Like, you're talking about medical mistrust. Yeah, that's the biggest um, one. Yeah, there's so many I think many that ties things. into the fear, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. Medical mistrust, tying into the fear. A lot of things that prevent people from being healthy and well. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people realize, like, how far beyond the diet and exercise and mm -hmm. sleep and hydration that that can go because if there's a certain level of medical mistrust, but mm -hmm. also um, health literacy is huge. Health literacy and yeah. being able to have the education to know like what the heck is out there and what mm -hmm. should I be looking out for. There are a lot of deeper things that, um, you know, can really prevent someone from optimally take care of their health and their wellness. Also too, simple things like housing, employment, yes. insurance. Yes. Insurance is like a big one. Um, transportation, right? There are so many people, um, especially with the populations who I work with, who are dealing with homelessness. It's like, I don't have the time to, to, get, to go get tested right now, right? right? But, you know, some of those individuals might have to resort to survival sex, right? In mm -hmm. order to find housing, in order to find um, food, right? right? In order to make money, you know what I mean? Right. And, and uh, these are the things that are really, really real that all contribute to people having those multiple barriers right. that might not have them pick up that phone or they some of them don't even have a phone right. <laughs> like I, I've worked with, with individuals who don't even have a phone you know and it's, it's like we're trying to contact them to share with them some sensitive information right can't find them so it's like we have this young person who's just out and about yeah. you know what I mean and um it, those those situations could be challenging too so, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I love that you brought all of that up because that's so important for not only, you know, for myself and others who are listening who are healthcare providers, but mm -hmm. just like people in general, yeah. um, just to know and be aware of like experiences other than their own mm -hmm. um, when it comes to navigating their health and how can we be more inclusive with our language and create that safe space right. um, with the people around us. So Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And um, your joys, you know, you Aww. seem so passionate about what oh. you do. <laughs> we would love to hear about your joys as right. a sexual health educator. Mm -hmm. My joys, uh, my joys, I think one of the things is when um, I let's say I'll, I'll have a particular patient, right, who is just not wanting the particular, like they want the services, right, but then they have those fears or they have those particular things that are holding them back. Mm. Um, a joy is when they actually start to learn and I could, I could see them slowly, even if it takes time, you know, yeah. it might take a year. It might take a year for them to come around and start utilizing condoms, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that's a situation that, that um, I've dealt with, right, where it took like a year. 
And then a year later, the particular person, um, they're like, oh my God, I started, you, I started just that simple thing and I feel better about myself, right? Mm. Um, that's a joy because it, it shows that, 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 you know, the knowledge that I'm just passing on, because it's not really about me, right? It's not about me. I'm just yeah. someone who's here and, and their particular story, right? I'm just hearing your story, right? So it's not really about me, right? But it, it, it does bring me joy um, when, when someone is like, okay, I learned what to do now. And I'm like, okay, cool, right? So it's not to say that you won't, you know, have, have this particular scare again or this won't occur, right? Um, but but I, I want you to, to take control of, of your autonomy in regards to your health, right? Yeah. And your sexual health is a part of that. And, you know, it's so funny. I think that that's something that's still not really taught in, like, colleges and, like, high schools and stuff like that. It, you know, they, they do have sex ed, but... Um, which is like, the, uh, don't have babies. Yeah, but but yeah, it's, it's only right. geared towards it's only geared towards this woman for right. the most part. It's not really geared towards anyone else, right. and you know, which is fine, you know, to a certain extent. But it's like you want to be inclusive of there are other people with, with different types of bodies, yeah. you know, um, who do things in a different way, right? Yeah. And they might not know that you can still be exposed to something by having oral sex per se, right? Mm -hmm. um, they, they might think that, oh, I can only get something through penetration. And then you have other people who are out here, you know, passing things on, you know, right. through oral sex strictly, right? So, um, yeah, I, I think a joy is just when I see people just, you know, if I could participate in that in that trans that transfer of knowledge, right? I think I think that's something that um, makes me happy when I can actually Aww, see it working. Yeah, because um, yeah, it's it's not it's not really about me per se. I'm just yeah. someone who's who's here helping people navigate this within their own life, right? Yes. So I, I think I'm just like a participating character in, in their story. You know what I mean? In the, in this part yeah. of their story. You know, so I think that that brings me joy. Um, I love that. Yeah, the responsibilities bring me joy. It gets challenging sometimes, uh -huh. right? But it it allows me to see how far I've come, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, it it I think what also gives me joy is, is the current culture that we live in with sex positivity. That gives me joy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really like the conversations that people are having now, right? You can go on social media, you can watch YouTube. You just see so many people who are, you know, having um, these particular dialogues, you know? That's what brings me joy, the dialogue that's occurring around it. Yeah. Um, even, even when negative things occur, right? Um, that's how people learn, right? Yeah. So, if, so if people have have the ability to be comfortable and share their story and share their perspective on things, and and you know apply that with the stats, <laughs> you know the stats of like for example in LA County right now as of October of last year, there has been a complete increase of uh, throat gonorrhea, right? A lot of people don't know that, right? And um, now gonorrhea Listen is gonorrhea. <laughs> well, gonorrhea is like it's morphing. It's it's changing yeah. into like a stronger strain in which uh, regular treatment is isn't always working for some people, right? So you know, medical providers are trying to figure out like what do we do? <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, yeah, those are the things that bring me joy. You know, when I, when I can see these things being applied. That, I think that's what makes me happy. Yeah. So, yeah. And I love what you said. It's so <laughs> humbling. Um, the way you said it, you know, you are a p participating character in someone's life. Yeah, it that's all so I am. Humbling. <laughs> yeah, that is so humbling. Because for me as a service provider in healthcare, but also as a coach, mm -hmm. we take a step back. If yeah. we really care what, about what we do and how we serve, we're able to take that step back and see our role as a facilitator. Mm. We're someone that not only is able to provide the education, right. but it's all about the empowerment of the person in front of us. Yeah. And yeah. 
that the way that you said participate in character, like that's just such a humbling way um, to really pack that in mm-hmm. to what it is that we do and how yeah. we serve others and how it's not about us at all. Yeah, it's, it's not. not about us at all. Yeah. And to be able to have the joy in mm-hmm. seeing how the person in front of us was able to internalize it for themselves to then make those changes externally and internally is so powerful. And it really is such a joy to be able to witness. So I honor you in that. Thank you. No, and it's, it's, thank you so much. It's also a joy with um, having the opportunity to help people navigate, uh, you know, these various medical institutions. That could yes. get so hard. That that can get really hard with insurance and stuff. And, oh gosh, yes. um, you know, sometimes medical providers, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the medical provider. It could be the individuals behind the scenes that do the more red tape stuff that are kind of blocking you, right? Absolutely. They're kind of like, if this person doesn't have this type of insurance, I'm yes. not dealing with it, right? And, the, and then I'm over and here... And I'm over here advocating like, oh, no, 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 this person needs this girl. And, right. and, and you know, the patient often or client doesn't see the behind the scenes stuff right. going on. But I'm over here sending emails, getting dragged in emails, getting, yeah. <laughs> you know, by, by higher ups and stuff. But yes. my whole thing is like, you know, hey, I'll take the hit as long as this person can get what they need. Right. Yes. And, you know, I make mistakes, too, you know, but yeah. it's, it's, it's about the bigger picture. Right. And yes. what brings me joy is helping someone navigate that, because, you know, I remember how it feels. Even to this day, I still deal with that as a trans woman, uh, navigating medical institutions, right? And it's, and it's tough. And you kind of feel like, all right, this person is not helping me. Let me go somewhere else. Or this right. doctor is not listening to me. Let me go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, yeah. for, for me to have the opportunity to um, utilize my degree and, and, and help these individuals navigate how this all works is also a joy. Yeah. I yeah. love that. And, you know, yeah. we really, really do appreciate people like you in the healthcare system. I appreciate that. you, too. You're yeah. in there. You're in there with <laughs> us, girl. You. Thank you. I think it's so powerful in yeah. how we advocate for not only our patients, but just what humans deserve. Yeah. You know, like for me, I think it's so important in all the roles that I have to be able to advocate for Definitely. what people deserve and what people deserve better of. Yeah. And I truly see that in the work that you do and just Thank your energy you. and just who you are as a person. Thank so you. it was so, so good to have you on the show. Thank today. you. Are we done already? This yes! was so fun. I'm like asking some more questions. <laughs> if our audience wants to find you, I know you have a podcast too. I do. So share a little bit more about yeah. where we can find you on social media, your podcast, and just any, any ways that we can find you. Definitely. So I, I have a podcast called The Perfect Blend Podcast. And it's, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, you yes. Thank yes. you. Um, I, I started it in January of 2019. So it's, it's going on, what, about four years now of me having that show? Three, four years. And um, it's predominantly celebrity news focused. Hey. It's fun. It's chaotic. It's a little bit ratchet sometimes. But it's also educational. Okay. You know, I talk about life stuff. I always wrap up each show with a lesson or a central topic pertaining to life right so I don't want to just be someone who is a commentator just talking about celebrities all day or like bashing celebrities right I think sometimes people think oh we just like talk talk you know trash about celebrities (laughs) but for me I try to do it in a way where it's comical Mm -hmm. where it's fun but it's still real Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um but yeah you can find that on Spotify Apple Podcasts just just type in the perfect blend you'll see a cute little icon of me sitting in a chair it's like a cartoon find me there and then um also I have a YouTube channel called uh K-Day similar to K-Day Radio but it's not (laughs) it's not spelled the same look I have dreams I'm a media girl right so I have dreams of working in media and radio but 
um, the YouTube channel is K-A-E-D-A-Y-Y. You can find that there, um, and that's my Instagram handle as well. So, um, yeah, check out the podcast. It's, it's on Google Podcasts, too, and the other platforms, too. So check me out. Yay! Yeah, I this was fun. So, so fun. And then the last, <laughs> last thing. Yeah. Really quick top three takeaways from mm-hmm. our audience. Um, walking away from this episode, what are the three things that you Ooh. really want people to stick with? Uh, to thine own self be true, you know, so that's a popular saying, mm-hmm. um, you know, just just always uh, stay true to you and uh, be yourself. You know what I mean? Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, stay invested, stay invested, stay invested in yourself, stay invested in your work, even on those days where you feel like that work might be pointless, whatever you all do. Right. Rather it's sexual health or healthcare, like we do and so forth. Um, or any any other type of field, you know, just try your best to stay invested. And if you're no longer invested, it's not for you. That's the second takeaway. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're not invested, it's not for you, and that's okay. You know, just just try to um, to do you. The third takeaway is live your life. Life is too short. We are still living in a global Pangea. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a, a global panoramic, right? So although they're saying, although they're saying, take your mask off and stuff like that, and we have ours off, you know, I'm vaccinated, y'all. You know, but but life is too short. Live your life. You know, try your best to just um, live your life and, and make the most of it. You know, while you're here on this planet. So I know it sounds cliche. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. You know, we could all drop dead any moment. So just live your life and try to bask in it and enjoy it. So those are that. those are the three things. <laughs> We're not guaranteed anything in life. We're not. No one's so. going to give you anything. And if they give it to you, it, it comes with a cost. Right. <laughs> so. Right, right. Yeah. Next episode of Bipop Rising. <laughs> when people give you something. It comes come with, with a cost, cost. <laughs> honey. Pay the cost yes. to be the boss. So. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on our show thank today. You. To our audience. I hope you all learned something today, felt good about yourself, and feel empowered um, moving on. So you can check her out on her Instagram, her Mm. YouTube channel, as well as her podcast. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you. And catch us on the next episode. Congratulations for taking another step in your Thrive journey and empowering those around you. BIPOC Rising is happy to support you. And if you would like to find me, you can find me on my website, www.empoweredcommunity.com to explore ways that I can best support you and your goals. And don't forget, that's Empowered Community spelled with a Y-O-U in community. You can also take a look at the link in my podcast bio for my website. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.